Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. You guys ever, growing up, you would watch something till the end of the show and then it says, to be continued? You know, they'll leave you on that cliffhanger and you're just like, ah, you guys remember back in the day, um, who shot J.R.? This was, this was, right, and they just killed us for like the whole summer because we didn't know who shot JR, and now we don't care. <laughs> but that was like to be, con- well, anyways, the point is, to be continued, yes, that is where we left off last week on a, do, on a to be continued story. Jacob and Esau are 77 years old. I want you to let this sink, let, let that sink in, okay? Let that sink in, because here's why. Brother Larry was at the church this morning when I drove up. And Brother Larry was going to do some things around the church. He did. He, he served really well. And then he sat in my office for a couple of minutes, and I said, Brother Larry, how old are you? He goes, 77. I said, you realize you're Jacob and Esau's age with all the stuff going on right now? How do you feel like if I said, why don't you move, why don't you go to Albuquerque? But you got to walk. Albuquerque's, actually, it's farther than Albuquerque. I'm sorry. Uh, Haas, 500 miles from here. Albuquerque's three, but a little bit farther, right? It's not close to Flagstaff. Anyway, long ways. Is that 500? 500? Okay, Haas, you're going to, I mean, not Haas. Um, Larry, you're going to walk to Farmington. 77. He said, oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's... And, and so you, you, you kind of get the perspective, but you go, well, Ben, things were different back in Genesis 28. They sure were, okay? 60 was the new 20 or 30, so 77, he's probably still pretty good, okay? Pretty good in age. So again, they're 77, and they're continuing to what, church? To act like children, you go, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, let me give you some highlights growing up, okay? Let me just take you back. Do you guys remember them fighting in the womb? I mean, poor Rebecca. It's bad enough that she's like, uh-oh, there's two in there. But now they're fighting. You know, knock out, drag out in the womb. And, and you guys know what happened, right? Esau comes out first, but not to be undone by his brother. His brother is, is what? He's catching the heel. He's like, mm, I should be going out first. And Jacob's name actually means supplanter. Supplanter. Everybody say supplanter. Why do you make me say that, pastor? Because I want it to sink in here. Because supplanter means someone who takes the place of another. It is found in the ancient literature and in the Bible, and it can be used today to refer to governments that have overthrown another. The word has a negative connotation and can, and, and can imply that there is deceit or force involved. That's what it means. So Jacob wasn't just going, hey, show me the way. He was going, Mm-mm, I should be going out first, like that. Okay, he is, well... Think about it, supplanter, right? His name really symbolizes, if you will, all of mankind. Because the Bible says you and I were born into sin. It actually says we were born in Adam. Okay, so we understand that. And you go, well, pastor, what does that mean? Well, it means that we came out deceitful. We came out having pride. 
We came out, and, and here's, here's the problem with sin. It, we think too much of ourselves. Right? We're selfish, self-centered, sinful people. That's who we are until Jesus gets a hold of our hearts. Until Jesus. Now, listen, I am not, listen to me, I am not talking about religion. Oh, you got religion? I didn't get religion. I got Jesus. What does that mean? I don't have a clue, but I know I'm different. No, you got religion. That's, you're religious now. How many of you have ever been told you're religious? You go, I'm not religious. I, I just love Jesus. Oh, you go to church. You go to church on Wednesday night? Seriously? Wednesday night? Come on. Those are for holy rollers. And you go, amen. I roll with the best of them. That's what you say. But something happened to Jacob. Spoiler alert, if you're taking note, in Genesis chapter 35, verse 10, it said, And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. And so he called him Israel. God changed his name. He says, You're not going to be that supplanter. You're not going to be that deceitful person. I'm changing your name. And you go, Pastor, what's your point? Here it is. Listen, there comes a point in our lives when we have to be honest about who we really are. I don't hear any amens but one. We have to be honest with who we really are. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. We have to allow the Lord to break us with his love. We have to. Remember, only Jesus can touch the deepest hurt in our lives that brings healing and wholeness. The rest of the time, guys, we're holding... we're. We're not letting anyone in. There's no way. We've got, man, we've got steel barriers all around our hearts and our lives, and it's only Jesus that can navigate. We go, oh, that hurts. Don't touch that. And he goes, I know, but it's in my touch that I can bring healing and wholeness. But we have to be honest. We're not a society of honest people. We don't. We lie all the time, and we lie for good reasons. Not that it's right, but it's like, oh, but we have to be honest with the Lord because he knows anyway, right? Have you ever, have you ever tried to tell God something that wasn't true and then realized he knows anyway? It's almost like the Lord said, hey, did you look at that? And you're like, no. And he's like, really? And you're like, yeah. I mean, you know. How many times have you been mad at God? I would, I would never be mad at God. <laughs> I would never be. No, how many times have you been mad at God, but you didn't tell him you were mad at him because you didn't want him to know you were mad at him? Are you mad at God? No. And God's like, yeah, you are. Let's talk. Let's chat. Let's talk about this. Here's the point, guys. The point is, guys, we have to, we have to remember. We have to remember that it's in the, in the Savior's touch that brings healing and wholeness, guys of our broken hearts. Why are the way we are? Well, we have to allow Jesus to go in and heal that. We're we're a little messed up, right? (laughs) We're a little messed up. And Jesus comes in, he says, I know, let me me fix that. That's when we fully grasp the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the problem that we have in today's society, guys, is that we put gospel in front of something else. 
the gospel, right? The gospel of this, or we'll call it a prosperity gospel, or we'll call it a healing. And it's like, no, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Ben, it takes care of everything. We need to understand the gospel and how it really heals and saves us. And it makes us no longer slaves to sin. We're changed. Instead of being deceitful, self-centered, selfishness, this is what we should be walking in, right? This is what the Word of God says. We should be walking in forgiveness. We should be walking in forgiveness. When we realize how much God has forgiven us, we should be walking in forgiveness. Now, I understand, church, that's hard. I understand we have been hurt to the core. I get it. But God's mindset, God's heart is for us to walk in forgiveness. We learned this weekend at the men's conference that we need to see people the way God sees people, not the way other people see people. We need to see people the way I want to see people through God's eyes. And the world might look at you and go, man, what a bunch of mess-ups. What a bunch of losers. What a bunch of... God sees you as victorious, as amazing, as wonderful. He sees you that way. We don't see ourselves that way, do we? But God sees us that way. If we could have the eyes of Christ, and that's through forgiveness. You go, well, how else should we be? Well, we're no longer walking in deceitfulness, self-centeredness, or selfishness. We're not walking with an egocentric attitude, but we are walking in integrity. Integrity is wholeness. We should be walking. Christ walked in integrity. You go, well, what else, Ben? Guys, where's our compassion? Where's our compassion and loving towards other people? Where is it? That's, that's what Jesus did, man. How many times in Scripture do you say, and he had compassion on the multitude? Jesus wasn't like, look, I've already ministered 23 hours. Could I get a break? He goes, no, 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 no. Listen to the people. Look, they need me. They need me. Where's our compassion? If we're going to have the mind of Christ, guys, we should, we should walk in love. In love and and. And love and sacrifice. Are we loving towards each other? Are we loving? Pastor, I'm not there yet. I know. But let's, let's, let's get there. Let's be loving. Well, I, I, I just don't know how to do. Well, here's the thing. When we put on the mind of Christ, guys, listen. This is what, what, whatever we put in is going to come out. Right? You've heard that saying, basically garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. If we're going to be loving, then I need to put love. I need to know who, 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 who Jesus I need to know love. And then when you come and squeeze me, love's going to come out. <laughs> Joseph, Joseph told, me, you, you, you told me a funny story just in my office the other day. He said the first time he came to church, he didn't have his glasses so he could barely see me. He said, Pastor, you were really good looking. And then I put on <laughs> then I put on my glasses and reality was like, oh. No, that wasn't the funny part. He said that you guys went to hug him, and he's like, I'm not a hugger. And now Joseph is one of the guys that he just gets loved on. Why? Because we're loving, right? That's that's what we do. Feathers. You can't get away from feathers. Well, you get a hug from feathers. 
you'll get a hug. Amen. You want it or not? I love it. Why? Because a lot of people don't have that human touch anymore. They don't have that hug. And Jesus probably was a hugger, wasn't he? Imagine my Jesus. Come here. Come here, boys. The disciples. Come here. Let's go. Giving him the old noogie. Come on. Come on, Peter. Are we walking in grace towards others? Are we walking in grace towards others? How much have you been forgiven? Are you walking in that? And let me say this to you. How much grace are you walking towards yourself? How much grace are you walking towards yourself? I was talking to one of my pastor's friends yesterday, and I said, isn't it how funny how I can see God doing amazing things in your life, but I can't see them in my life? And how you can see God doing things in my life, but you can't in yours? He's like, yeah. And that's how we operate in grace. I can see grace in your life, but I never extend that grace in my own. So we got to walk in grace. And of course, you guys know this. I'll go in quickly. Self-control, patience, and obedience to his word. Obedience to his word. That's when your name gets changed. Well, Ben, my name is, my name is Ben, and it's been Ben, and nobody's changed it. No, the point is, is that something happens, and you're walking in a new name change. You're not Hakobo. You're not the heel planted. You're not deceitful anymore. You're not going after people for your gain. You're not suing people like Paul says. You're, you're different. You ever hear that word? People look at you and go, you're different. You're different. What's wrong with you? Why are you so happy? We had a lady come to the church years ago. She came on a Wednesday night. She literally thought we were all smoking dope. I kid you not, she said, nobody can be that happy. Nobody can love like that and hug me. She's like, this is weird. She really thought something was up. She loved Jesus ever since. Back to our story. First, they're in the womb. Comes out. Second, right? Birthright. The dude sold his birthright for stew. Now, the text indicates that Jacob knew, and he had sort of planned it all along. <laughs> My brother's going to come in hungry. Let me make some mm, good stuff. And so he comes in, guys, and what was it? This was more than sibling rivalry. How many, of you, how many of you have brothers and sisters that you kind of fight with? This is a little sibling rivalry a little bit, right? We do. We do. I used to look up to my brothers, and then I wanted to beat them in basketball, and then they would make me mad, and I wanted to beat them up, but I never really could. But now I'm getting, well, they're getting older, and so I think I could take them now. (laughs) They're almost 60. I got them. The funny part is I love them more now than I did growing up. And now at 77 years old, guys, mom and Jacob devise a plan to take the blessing away from Esau and give it to Jacob. Now, here's the kicker. Had God not already promised the blessing to Jacob? He did. But more often than not, wait for it. We didn't wait for God or his promises. More often than not, we don't wait. And of course, Isaac and Rebecca, man, they had some really good teachers, didn't they? 
with Abraham and Sarah. God promised us a son. Really? When is it going to happen? He's taking too long. Go sleep with her. Marry her. Have a, you know, I mean, they. You go, Pastor, what's your point? You ready? Jot this down. Stay the course. Hang on. Wait on God's blessing. Wait. God's waiting room is the hardest place to be. Yes. God's waiting room. It's a preview of when you go to the doctor, right? You go to the doctor, you have an appointment at 3 o'clock. You get there early, 2.30, sign in. I'm here for my 3 o'clock appointment. Then they have you wait in the waiting room. 3.30, they, you're still waiting. My appointment was at 3. Oh, I know, we're just running behind. 4 o'clock, okay, they call your name, and it's like winning the lottery, right? You're like, yeah, that's me, and you run back to the room. And then you go in there, and you wait in the room. And put this gown on and just wait, and that's the worst part, man. You're just like, dum, 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 especially if you think something's wrong. Dum, 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 dum. Now, I know y'all. Y'all are looking in the drawers. I know you guys. You're all looking in the cabinets because you can't wait. And then you hear the doorknob. Yeah. Then you hear the doorknob and you're like, good to see you, doctor. How you been? You know, I mean, we just, you go, Pastor, what's the point? They make us wait and, and God's waiting room is so hard, guys. God's waiting room and that's the same thing. And we're like, God, please, 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 please. But let me say this to you. You may not see it right now, but that doesn't mean that God is not working behind the scenes. We... Run ahead of God. And then what does he have to do when we get ahead of God? Help me, church. He has to clean up the mess, doesn't he? I wish I could learn that lesson. I want to get ahead of God. And he's like, look, I had this all figured out. Now I got to go back. Now I got to fix this. But I love you, Ben, so I'm going to do it. Because I knew you are going to run ahead of me. But I was thinking, come on, guys. Now, you know that this is a mess. Why? Because Jacob has to leave town for a few days, air quotes, few days, right? Until his brother calms down. Do you not realize what you did? You stole the dude's fortune. Oh, he'll be all right in a few days. We'll make him some more stew. He'll be okay. No, you do. I mean, seriously. So let me ask you a question. You guys ready? What happens in your life, or let me say this, what happens when you live a life of dishonesty and deceitfulness? You have to cover up another mess. You have to cover that mess with another mess, don't you? You go, what do you mean? Well, guys, this is biblical, folks. You have to, I mean, you, you, it's better to live in integrity and honesty. Why? Because coming off the heels of stealing the blessing, look what Esau, look at Esau and Jacob, verse 43. Now, therefore, here's the heels. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban and Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Now, you can underline a few days. That's all mama thinks, just a few days. Okay. And your brother's going to just, he'll be all right in a few days until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. What? We don't forget, do we? When somebody hurts us like that, we don't forget. 
You remember the story. Jacob or Esau is crying, God bless me too. Bless me. We only have one blessing. Please bless me. No. He's not going to forget. But she says, Hito, I will send. When he's calmed down, I'll send for you. And why should I be bereaved of both you one day? Now, what does she have to do? She has to, she has to cover her deceitfulness by being deceitful. Because notice again, right? She has to make it look like something different. So Rebecca goes to her husband. I'm weary of life because, my, because of the daughters of Heth. And if Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these are the daughters of the land, I just want to die. That's what she's saying, guys. I'm sick to death of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries a native Hittite woman, why should I live? That's what she's saying. Question, was it really about Jacob? Again, Rebecca deceives her husband. And this time, he's going to what? He's going to, get a, he's going to agree to go ahead and send Jacob away. She thought for a few days, but here's what I want you to see. Sad, sad verse. Why? She's never going to see her boy again. So, a few days. It'll be all right. Nowhere in the scripture, guys, do I read that she prayed, she fasted, she sought God. She's walking in the flesh. And God commands us to walk in the Spirit, to trust Him. So as we continue our study, I'm calling this message, Run, Jacob, Run. And kind of like that whole run, forest, run kind of thing, that's kind of the theme. Run, Jacob, run. Where is he going to run? Well, Jacob is going to, his flight is to Haran. Okay, look at verse 1 of chapter 28. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Now remember, Jacob is 77 years old. Remember, Abraham told Isaac, don't take a bride from among the Canaanites. Why? Everybody say why. Two reasons, okay? The Canaanites were idolatrous people who did not serve God. They were perverse, according to Leviticus chapter 18. They were a cursed nation, Genesis chapter 9, and Abraham was a blessed nation, and blessings and cursings don't mix. That's the reason. They were idolatrous. Number two, because they were Canaanite women, they would not be a servant of the Most High God, and she might lead Isaac and others away from their faith. Are they talking to us? Isn't that true? Right? You know, Ben, give me a, give me a New Testament. Give me, a new, give, give me something in the New Testament. Well, doesn't the Word of God say when Paul says, hey, y'all don't be unequally yoked. As a matter of fact, it's 2 Corinthians 6.14 that says this, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And we would all go, why, Paul? Because what, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what, and what communion has with light and darkness? It says they don't mix says, let's not be unequally yoked. I can't tell you how many couples that I've counseled that have said to me, I'm a Christian, and they're not a Christian. They're not a believer. And you can say stuff out of your mouth, but your heart will always give you away. Always. You can say... 
You can say that you are going to the gym every single day. And your body's going to give you away. It's either true or not. Unless you have your wife videotaping and then you like, oh, okay, I, I, I get it. I, I'm sorry, I believe you. I believe you. I'm not worthy. But guys, be careful because, because again, because people can say, and again, this goes, this goes through, this goes through what? This goes through business. This goes through marriage. This goes, I mean, just be careful. Pastor, my best friend is not a Christian. What should I do? Well, keep loving your best friend. But just don't be unequally yoked in, in, in some sort of, you guys know this, business. There's been businesses that one's a Christian, wants to do things with integrity. The other's stealing money. You want to see if somebody is a believer? Look at their heart. Spend time with them. Are they gracious, compassionate, loving, forgiving? Are they trying to model their life after Jesus? Now, we're not perfect. Don't get me wrong. We're all working towards that. It's called, it's called what? Progressive sanctification. We're all towards that. But you'll know within two seconds of being with somebody if they really love Jesus or not. you know. But I got the t-shirt that says, I love Jesus. And I got a fish in the back of my car. Don't you understand? Yeah, but see, that's, that's, where, that's where our culture has changed us. What we need, guys, is we need, we need, we need trans, transformation. We need people going, oh, yes. And I'm right there with you, man. I'm like, yes, God, that needs to be me. I'm not playing. I'm not sitting up here all, you know, you all need to do what I do. I'm going, help me, Lord. Help me because I want to represent. I don't want to misrepresent you, God, in any way, shape, or form. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little mouth, what you say, for the Lord's above and he's looking down below. Help me not misrepresent you, Lord. Help me not misrepresent you. Don't marry a Canaanite woman. Go. What should I do? Arise, go to Badanaram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take for yourself a wife from there, the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Now, we see this, guys, in verse 2, and this is instructions for Jacob. Go get a wife from the people, and dad says, we'll see you in a few days. All right? He probably didn't mean it. He understood. Remember, dad is feeling like he's going to die. That's why he gave the blessing. So he's probably going, go, my son, be blessed. Well, Jacob's Jacob's blessing to go. Notice verse 3. Here's the blessing. May God Almighty bless you, El Shaddai. May you be and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessings of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away. He went to Padamaran, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob, and Esau. Did you catch that, church? Isaac just repeated the Abrahamic covenant. He confirmed it once again. May you be blessed. This is your land. You go up there and find a wife, but you make sure you come. This is the land that God has given you. 
Okay, it's the, we talked about the Abrahamic covenant. And you go, well, pastor, what's the point? Well, I love the fact that when someone gets saved, the new covenant is confirmed. When somebody goes, man, you don't realize what I, when I was a man. You don't realize, it's like, wow, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we get to see a new covenant life change. That's, that's how we know the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Because somebody goes, I once was, now I'm, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And we go, that's the new covenant. That's the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Only Jesus can change you, bro. And you go, amen. That's right. That's right. Guys, we always, all our lives growing up, we try to change ourselves. Growing up, we'd look in the mirror and go, man, I need some new clothes. Man, I need to get the latest, the, the latest threads, man. Man, I need to get the new haircut. I need, I mean, we always trying to change ourselves because we really didn't like ourselves until Jesus came in. You see, what the gospel does is it validates you right where you're at. The gospel validates you and says, you are perfect. You are my daughter. You don't have to strive for people to like you anymore. You are my daughter. You are my precious. But when we allow our past and all the junk and all the hurt, and we live this way, guys, then then we limit the gospel to what he wants to do. And God says, "I, I love you. I'm standing right open, man. Listen, listen. Jesus, but do you love me? I love you died for you. Why are you looking for people to validate you when I already have? I get it. I want people to like me. I get it. But at the end of the day, what I really need to do is say, God, you know you love me and that's all that matters because I can't please everybody and neither can you. We can't please everyone. People, people are people. Here's my question. If the new covenant is confirmed when we see people get saved, why don't we rejoice all the more? You know, we will shout at the top of our lungs at a football game. We will high-five people we don't even know. We'll hug and we'll rejoice when we make a touchdown. But when somebody gets saved, little golf clap, yay, amen. We should be, do you, don't, man, you know what we should do when somebody gets saved? We should get the Gatorade thump and just dump it on their head. That's how excited we are. We won, you just won the Super Bowl. You got saved. Eternity is secure. Wouldn't that be cool? We'll have the ushers come up here and just, hey, they're saved, man. But we don't, right? Church, let's be a church that just rejoices and parties with the angel when somebody gets saved. That is the greatest thing. Listen, man doesn't need any more money. Man doesn't need anything. What he needs is salvation. What he needs is God. Be honest with me. Be honest with me. You you think the same way I think, don't you? Well, I hope it takes. I hope it takes this time. We don't believe that they got saved. Well, we'll watch. We'll we'll see. I don't think he's really saved. Amen. But (laughs) God is so much better. I don't even know how we got saved. Probably somebody said, I don't know about that Ben dude. I don't know what it's going to take. Wow. 
Oh, look at Kevin. I mean, wow. Haas, forget it. I mean, that's another miracle. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's how we should rejoice all the more. Because it's not us, it's God. We're never going to get done with our Bible study if I keep running off like this. So Jacob's on his way to Beden Aram, right? Where it is. it is in the modern location of the plains of Syria. Okay? I try to look it up on a map today. Probably when you're standing in Israel, you can kind of see Syria. I don't know if it's the plain right there, but I do know that's where he is. Syria. That's where he's supposed to go. 500 miles, okay, from here to Farmington, New Mexico. Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch, you ever hear that saying? Meanwhile, back at the ranch, verse 6, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padanaram and to take himself a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he gave him charge, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother, and he went to Padanaram. Okay? So Esau is watching all of this. He watches Jacob leave with dad's blessing. He watches dad's, that he, he watches the advice dad gives him, and he watches Jacob leave in obedience. So what's his reaction? Notice verse 8. Also Esau saw the daughters of Canaan did not please his father. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalah, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nehebajoth, and to be his wife in addition to the other wives he's had. Thumbs up to Esau, right? No, Pastor Ben. You see, instead of Esau repenting and trying to please the father, Esau, please, Esau then pleases his flesh. He deliberately goes to Ishmael's family and he takes another wife. If you're taking note, my Bible students, um, she's going to be called Basemeth in Genesis 36. Same woman, okay? Mahalath will be Basemeth in Genesis 36, verse 3. So you can make that when we get there. What can we learn from Esau? Well, he represents the unregenerate man, right? Paul calls this the carnal man, the man who walks in the flesh. Think about this. Think about Esau for just a moment. How Esau loves to keep score. Well, Jacob got that. He loves to keep score. That's what the fleshly man does. You did this, now I get to do this. Well, you did that and you get... You realize that his blessing was material. You see, he didn't want peace in his life. He didn't want his, his children and his grandchildren to grow up in peace. I want the stuff, man. I want the stuff. This is how he thinks in the flesh. Guys, all these things, you and I, we must crucify. They're not of God. We don't think in the flesh. Verse 10. Now Jacob went out from where? Beersheba towards Haran, Padanaram. And he came to a certain place and he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones out of that place and he put it in his head and he lay down in the place to sleep. Guys, if you're taking note, Jacob has to travel 500 miles to get to Haran. So he walks about 60 miles and decides to spend the night. Where is he spending the night, Pastor Ben? It's a place called Holy Day Inn. No, I'm just kidding. It's not Holy Day, okay? It's just, just a joke. But I started to think about, I started to think about 
Jacob for a moment. Can you imagine the emotions that are running through his mind as he lays down and goes to sleep? I bet he's thinking about fear. I mean, he's out there alone. You know, I don't think he's singing, and I would walk 500. I mean, he's like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm all alone. Guys, I mean, we, we just know how it is. Number two, what about loneliness? You see, he grew up with a twin brother. I have brothers that are twins. And as much as they love me, you should see the bond they have with each other. I never break that bond. I'm their brother, but they're twins. It's weird. But I get it. Now he's alone. Now he's alone. What about isolation? You start hearing all the crickets. You start hearing all the stuff. You know, he's laying out there alone. He's like, thinking about what he did, right? You know, maybe, isn't it when we get alone with our thoughts? That ain't cool. Maybe he's excited. You know, I'm going to find a wife. He's, 70, he's 77, right? But the thing he does, guys, is he's, he puts a stone as a pillow. The only thing I thought about this is, is I mean, a stone for a pillow, that's just rough, isn't it? Because, like, my wife, she sleeps with a lot of pillows. It's like a mountain in the bed. It's like... <laughs> now, she has to, but, but I could imagine if they were rocks, you know? Honey, why did you get me a rock for Christmas? It's your pillow. Merry Christmas. But it's, it's just Jacob. So what happens when you sleep on a rock? I guess you meet God, right? Look at verse 12. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth. And its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending. Now, you guys know the story. You heard the story. But if you're taking note, if you look up the word ladder, it's more like a stairway. Okay? So don't think of it as, as a ladder like a fireman. It's more like a stairway all the way to heaven. Okay? Now, I know what you're thinking. If you grew up in the 80s, you're thinking of the song. Don't think of that song. Okay? But Jacob drinks, Jacob dreams of the stairway to heaven, there I said it, with angels going up and down it. But you know what it's a beautiful picture of? It's a beautiful picture of having access to heaven. Do you remember when Jesus was talking to Nathaniel in John chapter 1? Do you remember what he says? He says this in verse 51, Nathaniel. Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open up and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And you go, what was Jesus saying? Well, the word open up, it's a symbol of fellowship open to followers of Christ. What Jesus was saying is this is what the gospel does for us. It gives you fellowship with the God that created you. Think about that for a moment. Think about that in light of, like, if you've ever had, if you ever worked for a big corporation, anybody work for a big corporation with, with hundreds and hundreds of employees? You never have fellowship with the boss, do you? You have fellowship with your immediate boss and then this guy and this guy, and you never talk to the boss. Oh, that's, that's the boss. God is going, listen, he's the ultimate boss, but he says, through Jesus, you have fellowship. It's not just, it's just not like, what are my marching orders, Lord? He says, let's talk. Amanda, how was your day? I noticed you were a little pouty over there in noon. No, I'm just kidding. How was your day? We didn't have any coffee. Yeah. 
How are things? He wants to fellowship. He wants to have special time. Guys, how important is that? That's what he told, that's what he told Nathaniel. And, and how must we embrace his fellowship? How much of us are we really embracing? Well, God speaks. Look at verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood and said, now here's what he says. I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land which you lie, I will give you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. Man, what a blessing. And spread abroad the west, the east, the north, the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking about? Jesus. Right? We're all blessed because of... Come on, guys. You're with me. Stay with me. Let's go. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to the land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Wow. You guys got to put wow next to this verse. You got to put wow, why? Why, 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 why? Because let's be honest. Jacob has been a real booger, has he not? What do you mean? If we were to look at Jacob's life, we would say he is a mess. He is a mess. He is a spiritual downer. He's a deceiver. He's a manipulator. And what I love about this verse, feathers, is God speaks wonderful encouragement to him. God speaks grace and comfort and hope. I'm going to hold on to this verse. And you go, why? Because it's Old Testament and God could have said, Jacob, what is your problem? What is wrong with you? I have called you and you're acting like God, God's speaking to him and he goes, hey, Jacob, listen, I'm going to give you this land. Your descendants are going to be amazing. I love you, Jacob. I love you, buddy. I can't help, listen to me, I can't help but think to myself, having the mind of Christ, do we speak these things into other people's lives? Do we speak, guys, do we speak grace into other people's lives? Real grace. Do we speak comfort? Hey, I know you've had a bad day. I know you've had a bad week. But you know what? It's okay. Do we do that, guys? Do we speak peace into other people's lives? Let me tell you, listen, true confession here. Let me tell you one of the things, and don't look for it from now on, okay? But just, I can speak without even opening my mouth. You know what I'm saying? And that's not, I mean, I have to work hard at it, guys. And, and again, you know what? Listen, this can speak death into somebody. This just a look, you know? And I have to have the mind of Christ because, because Jacob was a real mess up, just like me. And he spoke life into him. And I know this little thing in our mouth, guys, we could speak, we could speak life or death. Tell me, who are you speaking life into? Let me just say this to you. Ready? There's a lot of dead people around you. There's a lot of dead people at the gym, at your work, people you meet. God is, God is orchestrating people in your life, and you have the ability to speak life. And you may never have to say a word, but it might be a smile. You realize that our world in Lubbock, Texas, guys, there's people just, there's just, uh, and God is calling us to go above and beyond and be, and be that light. Smile. Ask the clerk, how you doing? But, but mean it. How you doing? Give me my change. I got to go. How are you? 
Because I'm telling you, God is putting you in certain places at certain times because he wants to use you to people who don't know him. And if we'll take the time to be sensitive, if we'll take the time to be sensitive to the waiter or the waitress, if we'll be sensitive, if we'll be sensitive, God will go, listen, I might give you a word of knowledge. This person, this person's hurting. I told you the story, right? I told you the story of the pastor who was at the grocery line and this one, this cashier was just making a mess and she was fumbling everything and she was giving the wrong change and she was just so, and all the people were getting, the line was getting backed up and she was just so aggravated and, 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 and she was just a mess and, and this pastor went up and said, hey, are you okay? And she just broke down and she said, no, my, I just got a call that my son's in the hospital and I'm just, I'm not, everybody else was mad at her but, but we're able to speak life into somebody if we'll be sensitive. Hey, can I pray with you right now? Let's pray for him right now. Carrie's niece was in a bad accident on Friday, and we're at the conference. Carrie came to me, and he had this little look of worried, worried, because it was a bad accident. And I said, bro, let's pray right now. We prayed, and we prayed, and we cried out to God, and he still had a worried look. But to God be the glory, she, she actually recovered and got to go home today. Amen? But we got to pray, sensitive, sensitive into God's work. Speak grace into people's life. What a great encouragement to believers, right? Why? Because notice what he says. He says, listen, I'm with you. I'm glad the Lord is with me. And I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to the land. Listen, underline this. I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to do. Can I get an amen? See, Paul has that same thought in the New Testament. Let me give you a reference. Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You know what I want to sing? God's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. He's still working. I'm under construction. So next time you look at me and you judge me, I'll just say, I'm under construction. Sorry. I am a construction zone. Because he's still working. He's still working, guys, and he's going to complete it one day. He's still working on you. Brothers, have you made it yet? No. Kevin? Natalie? No, we haven't made it, guys. We're not going to make it until we get to heaven, but he's working on us. That's what he's saying. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to take, I'm going to do it. And I go, God, when? And he doesn't answer me. So be patient. I got you. Mm, 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 mm. Well, it goes on, verse 16. It says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning. He took the stone that he had put on his head, set up a pillar, poured oil on top of it. Don't you love that? And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. What an amazing dream, right? God showed up in a big way in Jacob's life. And something that just hit me. Something that stood out. Where's Jacob? Help me. Where's Jacob? He's 60 miles away from home. And I don't know if you saw this. You go, what, what's happening? God showed up. You go, amen. I saw that, Ben. I ask, here's a question. The things I like to ponder. 
would God, could God, would God, would Jacob have met God like this at home with mom and dad and brother? You go, well, Ben, God can do anything. And to that I say, amen. He could have, right? But here's what I thought. Some people, some people might look at this and say, why is God doing this to me? Something better to say might be, God is doing this for me. You go, well, like what? Like what? Sometimes, everybody say sometimes. He takes you out of a place or takes others out of your life so that he can bless and grow you and speak to you sometimes. Sometimes we have toxic people in our lives. And God, and, and you sit there, and, and I mean, you love them. They're your best friends or something, but they're, and God's, and you go, why, God? Why? Why are you doing this to me? He goes, God, I'm not doing this to you. I'm doing this for you because I have something so much better for you. But it still hurts. But I just wonder, again, it doesn't tell me. I just thought he's 60 miles away. That's where God shows up. Another reason is maybe we have to get out of our comfort zone, y'all. You go, what do you mean? I'm saying there needs to be times in our lives where we get away and just get away with God. Tell people, I love you. I'm leaving my cell phone. It's emergencies only, but it's off. I just want to, I just need to get, I just need to go back and, and, and just, I just need to hang with God. I'm going to go 60 miles away and just camp. Maybe. Maybe, but I do know this, God spoke to him, and he named what? He named a place Bethel, which means the house of God, if you're taking note. And later on, we're going to see that Jacob will have a changed walk in Bethel. He's going to walk with a limp. It's going to be different. It's going to be awesome. Okay, so we're done. Let's close our study with the, with the vow from Jacob, okay? Don't close your Bibles, but I'm just telling you we're closing, Verse 20, then Jacob made a vow saying, notice his vow, guys. If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. This stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house and all of you and all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Do you see this? Now, now listen, okay? Jacob recognizes the magnitude of this promise. He builds a pillar there. He calls the place where Bethel. He also strikes what appears to be a bargain on God. What's he saying? If God cares, if God takes care of him, as he says, then he vows to give a tenth of all that he has. You just need to make a note, guys. It wasn't till many years later that a tithe became part of the Mosaic law. So, but you go, here's what I want you to see in this vow. Note with me, Jacob just met God, but notice his vow. You ready? And, and I, want you to go to, I want you to go verse 20 to 22 and underline or highlight, because notice what he says. If God will be with me, and God will keep me, in the way that I am going, and give me bread 
so that I come back then. And the stone which I have set and all that you give me, I shall surely give you. There's a lot of me's and I's in there, isn't there? I sound a lot like Jacob. I sound a lot like Jacob. God, if you'll just do this for me and do this and do this and I and me and. (laughs) You know what I wrote down here? Aren't you glad that God knows us and loves us anyway? God's like, look, I told you what I was going to give you. I was going to bless you. I was going to bless your socks off. And what you do is you turn around and bargain with me. Well, let me just hold on there. Hold on. I think Jacob would have made a good lawyer, don't you think? Hold on, God. I love the blessings. Amen. But hold on. Let's, let's, let's put a little more on the table. If you do this and do this, I'll give you a tenth of all that I have. <laughs> think about this. If God will give me the world and all that you have promised, okay, I will give you a tenth of it as an offering back to you. God, if you'll save me, if you'll save me from me, and you'll save me from going to hell, and you'll save me from inner destruction, and you'll sanctify me and you'll guide me, I'll give you 10%. No, I'm not going to collect an offering right now. But here's what I thought. The New Testament doesn't talk about tithing. It doesn't talk about 10%. And so people will come up and go, hey, wait, wait a minute. Tithing, money, giving, tithing, tithing your time, your money, all of that. That's Old Testament. It's It's not talked about in the New Testament. You know why? Because in the New Testament, God tells us to give it all. All of it. You have been saved. Redeemed sanctified. What does God ask in return? Give it all to him. Lord, it's all yours. It's all yours. My life, my service, my money, my kids, it's all yours. It's all yours. And you know what God does so graciously? He says, amen. Will you take care of it for me? Will you steward it for me? Will you honor me with it? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. What an incredible story. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us. Wow, Lord. So much truth in your word. In 22 verses, God, we feel like we're just so full right now. We've eaten so well. But it's not enough, Lord, for us to learn it in here and not apply it out there. So, Lord, may we have your mind, your will, your heart for the world. May we be the type of believers that other people want to be. Thank you, God. Thank you for the handful of people that are here. Because that's all it takes is a handful of people to turn Lubbock upside down. And so we're asking, God, for a fresh feeling of your Holy Spirit tonight. As we worship you, God, in this final song, may your Holy Spirit come in like a mighty rushing wind and baptize all of us. 
Oh, how we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.